Okay, first, I would like to give the uh, background to when this Rebbe gave this talk. This is interesting because the Rebbe became Rebbe in, uh, I believe, February of two thousand of uh, 1951. And that coming summer it was an interesting thing that happened for a young man's bar mitzvah. I couldn't find anywhere else in the Rebbe's uh, talks of literature, anywhere throughout the history that this happened before or after, that there was a chassid, his name was Rabbi Binyamin Geredetsky, and he was the point man for the previous Rebbe to Europe and to Morocco and to several other countries in that parts of the world. And anything the previous Rebbe needed done, he would uh, call this man in and he would get the job done. He was literally the point man to that part of the world. And in 1948, 49, even earlier, but those years, he had a couple kids that were living with his wife in Crown Heights, in, in Crown Heights. And, uh, but the father would leave town for several months at a time. He was basically a shliach going out to these countries and traveling and moving and, and collecting money, buying buildings and, and moving, helping people move, shluchim to move, um, including settling down hundreds of Jews that escaped out of Russia in 1947 after the war, uh, my family included. He helped them get a place in Paris. I mean, all kinds of communication. In 1950, when the previous Rebbe passes away, the Rebbe takes over the leadership and continues in this way of this person being the messenger to all these places. I remember a long time ago, at one time, opened up the uh, index to the set of books of letters from the Rebbe, the Igris Kaidish, and I once counted to see who has the most letters written to them that are published in the set of books. This man, Rabbi Gadetsky, I can't remember now the number, but somewhere in the 250s-somethings of letters, because he wasn't living here in Crown Heights, even though he technically lived there, but he wasn't really there. And they were communicating nonstop. So the, he had a son who had a bar mitzvah in the middle of 1951. And the Rebbe told this kid that, or the mother or together, that because the father is not here, because he's on this self-sacrifice to bring Yiddishkeit and help the Jews where they were. So the Rebbe said that he'll make a condition with this boy that he should study, if he studies, commits to study the code of Jewish law, the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, the laws that are appropriate for a kid that age to study. And he will um, prepare himself for his bar mitzvah. And if he does the bar mitzvah in the, in the shul where I daven, in other words, in 770, you make your bar mitzvah there, and you don't publicize this, then I myself will participate at the bar mitzvah. So imagine that scene of the Rebbe participating in this 13-year-old kid's bar mitzvah. So the Rebbe came and delivered a talk at the bar mitzvah. I saw in one uh, diary that there was two tables on the sides, and then one table at the head table, and the Rebbe sat there alone and spoke a talk. Now, apparently, this talk wasn't available for people to review later. Obviously, it wasn't recorded on audio. 
It was the early days, literally, of the Rebbe's leadership. Um, in 1952, there's a, uh, a handwritten paper that people that were collecting any talks that the Rebbe said, the Torah talks, so they were writing it, they gave into the Rebbe list, and they said with three occasions that they don't have any notes of what the Rebbe said. So the Rebbe wrote a few footnotes, like literally like just sources. Tractate Nazar, this and this page. The Rashi, he quoted just, just what the base was of the talk. And each one of these three. But the Bar Mitzvah one, he also was one of them. So they didn't have that a year later of any talks. But years later, it was revealed. Somebody did take notes and wrote down a summary of what the Rebbe said. And only in 1977, this Parsha, end of 77, was this Sicha um, entered into a full write-up. It was given into the Rebbe for his, uh, you know, checking it over to be Magia, it's called. So it's a fascinating talk, and it really, really tells us a lot about the Parsha. It tells us a lot about adulthood, and it tells us a lot about diktuk in understanding words of Torah, and powerful, powerful lesson that everybody from 13 years old, for sure, at least from that age, is worthwhile to know. So the talk is basically based on a verse in today's Parsha that is the conclu- is part of the story when the one sister that the 12 tribes had, her name was Dina, and she was abducted by Shechem, and he um, violated her. And when the brothers of Dina found out about this, they were very, very upset. How could you have such behavior being done to a, our sister, to amongst Jews, is the way, the way they call it. Like, could you have this amongst the Jews? And Shimon and Levi, two of the brothers, grabbed a sword. They took a sword. Shimon and children, sons of Yaakov, is the way the verse puts it. Vayikhush, Nebene Yaakov. Two of Jacob's children took, who were they? Shimon Velevi. They were Achedina, the brothers of Dina. Ish Charboy. They were a man with their sword. And they went out after the whole deal that you have to go through the Parsha to see the whole story, where they kind of conned them into uh, circumcising all the males of their city. And with this, on the third day of circumcision, a person is very weak. And they went in with their sword and they killed every male in the city. And there's, of course, lots of commentary and beautiful commentary of how the city of this city deserved this punishment. They were liable to death. And that's why Shimon and Levi did it. Of course, the father, Jacob, gets scared. There's going to start some kind of riots will probably start soon. So that's natural to happen. So today's talk is not about the whole story, but it's about the use of this words that they were a man. They were men, ish, a man, charbay, with his sword. So he brings down like this, that the sages taught us the following. They said that from here we learn the idea of a bar mitzvah boy. That when are you called a man? Shimon and Levi were 13 years old or just over 13. So it's at, so the sages tell us, the Talmud brings down that it's from this age of 13 since the use of word on these two brothers is ish, 
that they were a man, a men. So we learn from this that when you turn 13, you become a man. What does it mean you become a man? That means you become responsible to follow all the commandments of God. You're, in other words, you're mature enough. We also see this word, man, ish, used in several other contexts throughout the Torah. And the Rebbe brings us two examples. In the well-known story where an Egyptian was beating up a Jew and Moshe looked this way and looked that way and he, according to the commentaries, he said a name of God and the man dies and he buries him in the sand. The next day, says the Torah, in Shemais, that there was a a Jew was hitting another Jew, and Moshe said to the Jew, of course he's not going to kill the Jew, but he said to the Jew, Russia, wicked man, Lama Sakariach, why are you hitting him? So the man said back to Moshe, who made you into a man? Misam Chalaish, who made you into a man? Again, we're using the same word, Ish. Who made you into a man? Right, so Moshe gets frightened that the word got out. They must know what happened the day before. So he, that's when he ends up running out of town because he's scared that he'll be killed. But the, the point here is that you see again that man is a, the word ish, man is used here in the context of an adult. There's another verse before King David passes away. King David tells his son, Shlomo, who's going to become Shlomo Melech, he uses these following words. He says, V'chazakta v'hayisa le'ish. You should be strong, strengthened, as you are a man. So again, we see the use of ish in these few places throughout the Torah. That means that when you turn 13 years old, you become an adult um you know, you develop into an adult, meaning also intellectually, knowledge-wise, you become a mature adult, meaning in your in in your wisdom, and therefore you're now obligated to do God's commandments. Now, he points out that of course it's possible that you should be an intellectual person and a smart person. You should have your good intellectual capabilities even before 13 years old. Nevertheless, what what's missing by a minor under 13 is the completion of the development of their knowledge. In other words, the knowledge, the feeling for something. It's not just, you know, that you could get 100 on a test. It's a development of an attachment of your knowledge with feeling. In other words, to really have the... the uh, Clarity and, and to be able to have a proper feeling to understand the value of a mitzvah that happens when you turn 13. In other words, even though if a person's under 13, you may be developed and you know, you're a smart boy or girl, of course, it means everybody under that age. Nevertheless, the, the, the completion of this level of really get, getting it to understand the preciousness and the beauty of the Torah only happens at 13. And the, so, so to the opposite. The knowledge and feeling to understand the lacking of the fulfillment of any mitzvah. You only get that 
at the age of 13 when you're developed enough to that age. That's why it's that age where you're obligated to do mitzvahs. And now the Rebbe brings this even to a example of worldly matters. It's possible that a minor under 13 understands very well the greatness or the, of the value of money or of you know, great statue of, of honor and so, and so on and so forth. Very possible. But nevertheless, the true understanding of money and greatness is still far away from a young kid to really get it. So even though a young kid says, oh, I understand the value of money and electricity and by power and wasting money, they don't really get it until they hit at least 13. And so too, the opposite in feeling um, low, feeling down or poor, to understand the value, the true value of what's missing in a person's life. Again, you get that properly when you're developed enough to your mature adulthood at 13. Therefore, it's till 13, it's not developed enough, your, your wisdom to the, and your feelings for things until you're, so that your behavior is reflected from that to be able to be responsible to do mitzvahs. So that's point number one, that the title ish, you're a man, that the sages learn out from there, that you're now at 13, you become a man, means that you're developed enough to really get the importance of things. And that's why now we could obligate you, the Torah could obligate you, that you're now able, mature enough to be responsible to follow the mitzvahs. Now, the Rebbe points out, and this is what's fascinating here when you think about this, the Rebbe points out that historically, the Rabbeim, the Chabad Rebbes, have participated in bar mitzvahs. You know, not for everybody, but from time to time, we have recordings, not audio. We have written, you know, uh, um, you know, of, of the of the discourses that the Rebbes said at different bar mitzvah celebrations. By the way, obviously, all the Rebbes had sons. Up until our Rebbe, every Rebbe had had sons. The previous Rebbe was an only son, but obviously his father said a mimer, a discourse, at his bar mitzvah. So the Rebbes have participated as a Rebbe by their children's bar mitzvahs, and maybe even others, as in our case, this story here. So he says, look, how did the Rebbeim, how did they start their Hasidic discourse that they delivered at these bar mitzvah ceremonies, they started it with a different verse. Not this verse about Ish, Charbo, that Shimon and Levi were men of the sword. They actually started with a different verse. There's a verse in Genesis that says, Nasa Adam, that man, Adam, Adam, was created in the image of God. Over there, we have the word Adam for man. What do you see from this? One second. We were just quoted in today's Parsha that what's a man? What's the verb that we use for man? Ish. But we have other places where the Rabbeim used for 13-year-olds the name Adam. So it's understood that for a bar mitzvah boy also must have a connection with the name of Adam, not just Ish. Now, if you want to look throughout the Torah, throughout the entire Tanakh, 
for different times when we use the words Adam or, or uh, for man, we find actually four different uses of words when we talk about the human being. What are they? Adam, the name Adam, Adam for man is the highest title when you talk about a man. The second to the highest title for calling a person with the man is called Ish. So there's a time when you use the word Adam. There's a time when you use the word Ish. Then there's a time when you use the word Gever. Gever. In modern Hebrew, they use a lot of times the word Gever. Gever means a man. And another use of word for man is Enosh. So there's four uses of words for man. Adam, Ish, Gever, and Enosh. They all have the same translation. It means in English. But because in Hebrew, there's always the depth behind the Hebrew word, every one of these mean a different meaning when you use the different words. So if you're careful in the use of your words, you would know when to use what. In English, we just use man because, you know, you know how careful we are with words. So the... Here, he's going to discuss and help us to understand the difference in the top two. When we use the word Adam for man and when we use the word Ish. So he says, one second, if the Rabbeim used the word Adam for man, that's that's the way they started their Hasidic discourse with the word Adam, it's not understood. Since, in order to be obligated for mitzvahs to be a 13-year-old, it's enough that you have reached the level of manhood with the name Ish, like in today's Parsha. Why did they, the Rabbeim, use for Bar Mitzvahs also the title of Adam, which is a higher level in the use of calling a person man? So, let's summarize up until here. Today's Parsha, it calls Shimon and Levi the two brothers. They were men with their sword, and they went out to kill every male that violated their sister or didn't speak up or stop the event and so on. So they were called man. And from there we learned that since they were 13, so for now when you come 13, you're called a man, you're not obligated to do mitzvahs. But the problem is, the question is, that the rabbeim, they used the words of a verse that says you become a man with the name Adam. Why did they have to use the name Adam if it suffices enough with the lower name, the second to the top name for man of Aish, why did they have to use the word Adam? Now, it is interesting, he brings down in the footnotes here, that it's fascinating when you think about the details. I'm just going to share this with you because he brings it down here. There's a Chabad custom, and it's brought down also in, it's brought down in Shochanach, but it's also a Chabad custom, that even before a kid turns 13, they should start to put on tefillin. So that they accustom themselves, they get used to it. So the time they're 13, they already know what they're doing. Otherwise, how are you supposed to know how to do it when you're 13? So how early do you start? About two months before. Two months before is a good enough time. If you're doing it for two months, the time you turn 13, you'll know what you're doing. Now, by this ceremony of the first time in your life putting on tefillin, the Rabbeim used a mimer that started the chazakta of Yisoli Ish, which is the words that David used to Shlomo, that we quoted before. But when they actually became, by Bar Mitzvah, the Rebbe Marash, the fifth Chabad Rebbe, 
Sorry, the fourth Chabad Rebbe told his son, the fifth the Rebbe Rashav, who later is going to become the Rebbe, he's benched him, he's blessed him that you should become an Adam. <laughs> so you see, he blessed him that from Ish, you should become Adam. Now, what's the difference of these two uses of words, right? Again, we may think that we don't have to be careful in the use of words, but it's all the depth is in the use of words. So what's the difference in the use of words when you say Ish, or when you use the word Adam. So he says the following. In the word Ish, it's talking about that you reach, when you, when you came a man with the name Ish, it means you became an adult, an adult, a man, intellectually. But what kind of level of intellect? A level of intellect that's connected of influencing your emotions. It's connected to your emotions. We all know we have our brain and you have your heart. We spoke about this many times in the Tanya, that the, the name of the game is that our minds should be in control of our hearts. Our emotions want everything, but our minds have to know what's right and what's wrong and try to be in control of your emotions. So when you become a mature adult, when you hit 13 years old, you become Ish, the title of Ish means that I'm so developed intellectually that I now have this connection with my emotions, my intellect works with my emotions. Now, obviously, there could be many different levels of your intellectual capabilities of growing. The ultimate level of a person maturing intellectually is 20 years old. 20, that's the age brought down this in different commentaries and so on. So you do, it's a developing process, but the, uh, you have enough by 13 that you're now obligated to do mitzvahs. Now, that's the level when you call a person Ish. Now, when you call, when you use the name Adam, Adam shows on a very high level of intellect that's even higher than having a connection to your emotions. It's got nothing to really to do with your emotions. It's a much deeper and higher level of intellectual capacity. Now, based on this, we could ask even more. Which is, in other words, we could add, the question becomes even stronger. When the Rabbeim used the words by their bar mitzvah boys, they said the name, the title Adam. How could you connect the title Adam with a kid who's only 13 years old? When you're 13, your emotions are running high. You want everything that you feel and stuff. So your intellect is now at a place where it can help your emotions go the right way. Why? How could they use the name Adam? Adam is even way higher than emotions. The kid's only 13 years old. So we must conclude that the intention that the Rabbeim used, even though it's only a bar mitzvah, which suffices the level of Ish, in order to obligate a kid to do mitzvahs, we must say that you will be much, much better off in being able to fulfill God's commandments when you also have the intellectual level of Adam. And to understand this, he's going to explain this, but the, at least to this point, we could at least conclude that the fact that they use the name Adam teaches us something that we never realized before. That's part of the ideas of Hasidus, which we explained this many times. We're going to talk about it more about a Yutas Kislev for bringing next week. But this is the idea of what Hasidus comes. It opens up things and ideas that we never realized and it becomes the tools to help us in our relationship with Hashem. So by understanding that the Rabbeim used the name of Adam 
when they spoke at bar mitzvahs, it must mean something that's connected and so helpful in our day-to-day practice of mitzvahs that we never realized before. Because till then, we only thought you need the name Ish. Now we realize, oh, you also need this name of Adam. Now, what's the source that it's not enough to have the level Ish? The sages in the Talmud told us that when Shimon and Levi was only 13, that's when he, that's when, that's why and where we see the word manhood. We learned this from the verse, Vayikhu Ish. Again, Vayikhu, let's read over the verse. We had that in the beginning. Vayikhu, the Shnei Bnei Yaakov, the two children of Yaakov, took, who were they, Shimon and Levi? They took Shimon and Levi, they took something and they were the men of swords. So now, we could ask a simple question. This novelty that when you come to 13 years old makes you at a point now that I'm obligated to do mitzvahs. That means it's an intellectual level that a 13 year old reaches to. And that's why you're called now this man, because you're able to understand things, and now you're able to take upon responsibility. How could we learn this idea that you're a, you became an intellectually mature adult from a place where it says that it was all about their emotions? These people took the sword and they killed every male. That means it's a complete emotional kind of act that happened there. Taking something. doesn't say that they learned about it. They took, these two brothers took their sword and killed every male. That's the ultimate idea of an emotional act that had to happen. So is it that I turned 13 and I'm intellectually in charge and now that's why I'm responsible to mitzvahs? Or is it something to do with your emotions that are on a high What's happening here? From here, it's un- so therefore we must conclude again that the point of this verse that they took and they killed has something in there, something, a great quality that's not enough on the idea of the title ish. In other words, you need this idea that they took and that they killed and only now I could learn it out that when they became a man, they were 13, now responsible for this. So in other words, you must come to the conclusion that we that it's hinted in the word that they took. Shimon Levi took something. The taking something is an emotional step. I take something. Not even that they were given this. They grabbed it. They took it. Now we can understand also the fact that the verse tells us not just that they were men of sword, but that these people took something. They took it. The taking business here is the additional point over here that it's not just an intellectual thing, it's also something about it there is emotion. So here we can understand also that when the Rabbeim said at the Bar Mitzvahs, they said a mimer discourse that started with the words Nasa Adam, they used the word Adam, the title of Adam, which is even the higher one, is because even though when you reach the level of 13, it's because you came intellectually a completed level, nevertheless, it's not enough it's not enough. And to only have the intellectual level, you also have to have this extreme level called Adam, 
which is compared to the idea of what the brothers did, that they took and they did this wild kind of move. In other words, the extremeness in, this, in our story of today's Parsha, the extreme point that they grabbed, they took, is compared to the extremeness of using the title Adam also for a 13-year-old. Obviously, we now need to try to explain this. What does it mean, this extremeness of using the title Adam? The verse itself said Ish, but it also used the words Vayikhu. So now the Hasidus comes and says, not just Ish means Bar Mitzvah, but you also really have the title Adam there too. So now again, let's just recap this point again, because then we could grasp this well and go into the explanation. There are different words, terms that are used for the title of a man. Adam is the highest level. That's a level of intellect that's so high, it's got nothing even to do with your emotions. The second level is the title Ish. Ish also means man, but it's a lower level. means the way man is connected with your emotions. Again, level three and four is not for today's class, but it's mentioned in great length in a book called the Kutu de Burim and many other places. So now, now let's explain what is the uniqueness of this extra quality level that the brothers took. And in our case also, not just you have the title Ish, but you also need to know that you have the title of Adam. So what's the source? Let's go now. Now he goes back to the beginning of the concept of that when you're 13, you're obligated to do mitzvahs. That's the age of mature. That's when you're called an adult in Jewish law. What's the source for this? So we have two opinions. One is from our verse in today's Parsha. Because it says the men of sword and they were 13 years old. So that's one source. But if you dig more into the commentaries of the Torah, that the sages that explain the Torah, and you look into the Rush and the Maril and Arashi and Avis and several places you find they say that there's another reason why at 13 you start to be obligated for mitzvahs. And they say the reason is it's not a logical thing. We have no source in the Torah for this. It's called Halacha Lemoshe Misinai. There are a number of laws that Jews do till today because it was passed down from Moses at Sinai. Moses didn't tell us the logical thing, but Jews asked Moses or Moses instructed them and we started to do them because Moses said, we trusted that Moshe was on Sinai and he was the one that communicated with Hashem, so he knew the answers. So it's called a law that Moshe passed down from Sinai. We don't have a a biblical source, it's just tradition goes back, that's what it's called. And I'll give you a couple of examples that you'll see yourself, things that you do today, all of us, that you may not even realize it, but it's connected to the Lachal of Moshe Misinai of this tradition passed down from Moshe from Sinai. For example, most value amounts in food are were told to us or taught to us by Moshe on Sinai. For example, how much matzah do you have to eat on Passover? You may say until you have a stomachache. I mean, what, what's, what's it? It may say I'll eat a crumb. Is that enough? No, we all know the law is, and it's brought down in code of Jewish law all over the place, that you have to eat the size of an olive. In other words, if you crush down the, the matzah all the way down into crumbs, it has to be the size of an olive, which in our days, if you took a big round matzah, 
it's probably about around two thirds of that or something. Okay, so that's the 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 measurement size is from there, right? How much food do you have to eat on Yom Kippur in order to deserve the death penalty in the time when we had that? Also, there is an amount. Any amount is a sin, but how much for the punishment is a certain amount. So the, the amount measurements of a lot of things are Allah. I'll give you another easy one. What color are, is tefillin? Men put on tefillin. What color are those boxes? Everybody knows the color is black. Now, why is it black? Why is it black? Again, it's a halacha from Moshe from Sinai. That's why it has to be black. You may say, well, let me make my tefillin gold. Make it beautiful. Very nice idea. But Moshe said, I'm Sinai. So th- this is the concept. Halacha Moshe from Sinai. So in our context here, Many of the commentaries say, how do you know that a 13 is the age of becoming bar mitzvah? Halacha l'moshe misinai. We have this, it's not a logical conclusion. It's just because that's what we learn from Moshe. Now, what's the difference? If you say, the reason is because I have a verse to back it up and it makes sense because you developed, you became an intellectual adult, or you say the reason because I heard it from Moshe from Sinai. What's the difference? The difference is, according to the first opinion, that means the nature of the human body, the human being, of majority of people, is that by 13 years old, you're a developed adult. You're an intellectual adult. But according to the second opinion, it has nothing to do with nature. It has nothing to do that you developed and I became now an adulthood. <laughs> what does that have to do with nothing to do with nature? Now, where is it going to make a difference in halacha? with which opinion it is. Whether the opinion is that you follow, that you have to start doing mitzvahs at 13 because you're now mature enough, your body developed, your brain developed enough, or whether you say it doesn't do with me developing, it's just because that's the rule. What's the difference in halacha? The difference is very simple. A ben noach. You know what means a ben noach? A person that follows the noahide laws. Before we got the Torah, after the flood, Noah was the man in charge, and he said he gave passed down from Hashem the laws for humanity. So a bnei noach, a person who's a ben noach, a child of noach, meaning you're a follower of the laws that Noah taught civilization. So you have to follow these laws. Now it makes a big difference of which opinion taught you that at thirteen you need to start to do mitzvahs. According to the first opinion that your body, your brain developed and you now became an adult, that will tell you that for even non-Jews, it's the same thing. So for a non-Jew, when is a non-Jew, a Ben Noach, obligated to follow their laws when they turn 13 years old? Because that's the nature of the human being. The nature of the human body is that you develop enough so when you turn 13, you now have to do it. But if I say like the second opinion that 13 is only the age because that was something passed down from Moshe, it's understood that for a Ben Noach, which doesn't have all these laws of measurements and so on and so forth that we learn from Moshe from Sinai, it will be based on every human being, every non-Jew, will be obligated to follow the laws of Noach whenever they mature. 
This one could be at 10, this one could be at 12, this one at 16 and 20 and 30 and 50, whatever. You could say whenever you get to that proper level. So it actually makes a difference in halacha, which opinion you're going to follow. In other words, which is the ultimate opinion. So he's just pointing out that you see that the source of how you learn that a 13-year-old becomes obligated has two different opinions and it actually could make a difference for a Benoach when they're starting, when they have to start their obligations to follow the laws. Now, he brings down, by the way, in a footnote from the Rambam, that when you talk about each person developing, the Rambam brings down that the pubic hairs that a child grows is is one of is the signs that makes you that you're now a mature adult. So for a Ben Noach, it wouldn't be based on their age. It would be based when they have the mature signs. That's the point. But again, so it makes a difference if you say 13 is the age or you say it's based on Allah that Moses passed from signing. Now, these two opinions are very important to understand when you want to talk about how does this relate to all of us in the day-to-day service to God? How does this, what's the connection to the bottom line? The bottom line, very nice to learn nice lofty things, but how do, what's the connection to all of us? Like what it's called here in Chassidus, in Avodas Adam, in your service, the service of the person, there's two views here. There's two ways to this, in the way you get to it, in the way you serve. According to the first opinion that it's based on the verse of today's parasha that they were the men of sword, meaning that they became the men intellectually, they became a completed level of understanding things. That means since they're obligated, you're obligated to follow the laws of the, of the Torah, it's based on a development level of completing a certain capacity. That when you have enough of a recognition of the and a feeling to the idea of mitzvahs, then we're going to put this yoke of mitzvahs on top of you. So it's understood that how do you serve God with intellect? According to this first opinion, that it, that the whole idea is that I'm at thirteen, I now have an intellectual capacity, a completed level of getting things. So now with the yoke of mitzvahs is on you, that means that how do you do mitzvahs based on my understanding? I'm now an intellectual, mature adult. Now I understand. I have to do a mitzvah. But according to the second opinion, it's nothing to do with your completing level of intellect. So when you come 13, you have to accept the yoke of the mitzvahs because this is the law passed down from Moshe at Sinai. That's what that means. You do it just because God said. That means your initial step when you turn 13 years old, it's not based that, ah, I get it. I understand. Let's use, by the way, an outside example, outside of the sicha. But say to yourself, to your kids, they go to school, right? So you could give a child a reason why they should go to school and why should they follow the laws of their teachers, the, the rules of the school. You could give them a rational way, reason to, now you're going to school, you're in eighth grade, 
I, you know, you give them the whole the whole reason. This is good for your future. You give them a whole speech. But then you could say another approach, which is the second attitude here. It's got nothing to do with I'm going to explain to you why you should do it. You do it because we are the parents and we're telling you that this is what you have to do. In other words, it's not based that the kids are, oh yeah, I get it. Even if the kids are, I don't get it. He does it because that's the right thing to do. That means I'm not using my intellect to make me decide it or not. I'm doing it because this is what my parents want me to do. In our context here, you're doing mitzvahs that 13 because Hashem said I should do it. Now, he points out that even according to the first opinion, when it says that they took the sword, the men of swords, we learned that the beginning level for a Jew in serving and doing the mitzvahs is that you should start off doing it based on intellect. Nevertheless, the fact that it says that they took, and what did they take? They took a sword. You know what it means? Think about this for a moment. Shimon and Levi took a sword and they went against an entire city. That's called sacrifice for the principle, the mitzvah and all that that they did it for. They risked their lives. Imagine two people going into a city with a sword. They could have been taken down in a second. They went on a complete sacrifice. What does it mean, sacrifice? Sacrifice means, when do you go on a sacrifice? You go on a sacrifice, you're willing to risk your life, not because I understand it. I'm willing to do something that doesn't even make sense to do. That's when you go on Messiris Nefesh. Messiris Nefesh, to give up your life, to give up your desires, is when you let go of your own reasonings. When you use your reasonings, you're limited. You're going to soon stop it if my intellect says, don't go further than this line. When do you jump in all the way with no stop? When you're ready to go to the level where you're not going to use your intellect. So even in the first opinion that the bar mitzvah boy is now ish, he's now 13, he's now an intellectual ability, but it also says it, where are we learning this out from? From the ish harbo, the men with the sword. And the, what they did with their sword was they went on a sacrifice. So that teaches you that st- start off doing your service to God with your intellect, but then you have to continue all the way even if you don't get it. And it's not a contradiction that we said before. That we said before, that according to this opinion, that you have to do things at 13 because that's the level where you get it. You understand intellectually. Because even though you're doing it, because I get it, I'm mature now, nevertheless, the foundation, in other words, the principles that you're raised with, what's a foundation? A foundation is the base that holds up the house, even though you only see the house. The foundation is the hidden part. The foundation of your service and your readiness to serve God has to be with the level that I'm willing to do it even if I don't understand. I'm going to try my best to understand it, of course. But even if I don't understand it, how could you reach that level even if I don't understand it? It's only if initially you had committed yourself that I'm going to do it even if I don't understand. Now, one of the proofs to this idea that we must do mitzvahs and we study Torah and do mitzvahs with the foundation of what, that I'll do the mitzvahs even if I don't understand it. And then you start doing it with the understanding. And then you start doing it even with the higher level of the Messiris Nefesh, complete devotion. We learned this out from the verses in the Torah where we have general warnings, general like, like notices 
in Parsha Nitzavim, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, before he dies, gives a lot of speeches. And one of the things he says, he says, look, Hashem told me, and he gives over these words, Hashem said that he put in front of you, in other words, put in front of every Jew, today, he put in front of you life and goodness, etc. Also the opposite. But he put in front of us everything. He put in front of us the good, life, and he put in front of us, etc. The opposite. And then Hashem said, I'm advising you, choose life. That's the words that Moses brings down to us. So again, Hashem said, Look, I put in front of you life and good, and I'm telling you, choose the good. The Rebbe says, what's going on over here in this verse? You just told me that you put life in front of me. Obviously, I should, put, I should choose life. I mean, who wouldn't choose life? I need to have God tell me that I put it in front of you and you should choose this. <laughs> what, 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 what's happening here? It doesn't make sense. Imagine somebody put something super value in front of you that you know that this is going to give you longevity and meaning to life. Would you not jump at it? You need somebody to tell you, I'm telling you, you better take this. Well, then you don't know. If somebody has to tell you that, that means you don't know that this is good. You don't know that that's life. When Hashem tells you, I put in front of you life and I put in front of you the opposite, that means he put it in front of you means in front of you means that you know what it is. That's the definition in front of you. He made it very clear to you. So why does he have to finish his expression saying and choose life? So the answer is how are you choosing the life? How are you making a decision that you're going to follow true life? That, that means following the ways of Torah and Mitzvahs. It is when you intellectually understand that this is good and this is life. But if you do something only because I came to the conclusion that this is good, you're not called yet a servant of God. You know what you're a servant of? Yourself. Because you are serving yourself. You heard that this is good for you, so you're doing it. So why are you doing it? Because of God? Or are you doing it because you got it? You're not called an Oved Hashem. Yet, you're still not called Oved Hashem. You may be doing the right thing, but you're not called a servant of God. Because a servant of God means I do it for the sole reason because God wants me to do it. Everything that a servant does is for its master. It's because my master asked me to do it. If I'm doing it because I want to get it done, I feel good doing it, then there's an I there. You're missing the point. So when Hashem says, I want you to choose life, I want you to choose life because I'm because of me. I now want you to choose it because I'm telling you to do it, not just because you see it as good. But before you do that, the verse says, Re'ei Look, I gave it to you. There's a commandment, Ubacharta, and you should choose life. Because Hashem wants 
that when it comes to Torah mitzvahs, it should take you through your entire existence of the person, and therefore, even my intellect, everything, my feelings, everything should be only that I want the Torah and the mitzvahs, not because anything about me, it's about you, God. So he's just bringing in this point that when we serve Hashem, it's got to be a mixture of both. You do it. Intellectually, you get it. It makes sense. It's a nice idea. But you also do it because even if I don't understand it. By the way, we always use in our classes one of the litmus tests to see if you do something because it intellectually makes sense or you're doing it because God makes sense. Ask yourself a question. When you're yourself, or with your spouse, and you're on a trip, and you're on a holiday. You don't have your kids next to you. You don't have your whole family sitting at your Shabbos table. Do you still make Kiddush? Do you still light the candles? Then you know if you are. Then you know you're doing it because God asked you to do it. If you're doing it only because, wow, look how nice the Shabbos table is. My kids have come over. It's such a beautiful time to have the family. Then maybe you're doing it a bit or a lot because your own good feelings in it. But are you yet to obey Hashem? Are you serve, doing it because it's a God, you want to serve Hashem? That's what, a good way to test yourself, to see did you reach the level. But the ultimate goal is, is to serve Hashem, is to be a servant of Hashem, not just a servant of ourselves. Now based on all of this, we can understand the connection to the Bar Mitzvah boy. Why the Rabbeim called him an Adam. He used the verse, Nasa Adam, you should be a man. Not just Nasa Ish, you should be a man with the title Ish. You should even hit the level of Adam. In the word Adam, we find two ideas there. One is the idea that we said before already, we said earlier on in, in the Sikha, we said that Adam means you're at a level of intellect that's higher than connected to your emotions. But then there's even another thing. The word Adam has the same letters, you just have to, move around the letters in a different order. And as we all know, when you do that in Torah words, you come up with more words. So Adam also has the letters of me'od. You know the word ma'id? Toiv me'od. There's good, and then there's very good. Right? You could serve God in Shema, you say, Bechol levavcha, I serve God with my whole heart. Ah, my whole heart. But then you say, my whole soul, okay, deep inside. But then you say, also very. What's this veriness? What's this ma'oid? Ah, he says, ma'oid means, Adam hints to the word ma'oid, very, super, meaning a level of infinite, completely beyond. Seichel. You reach a level in the human, in Adam, that's also bleakful. You're a human, but you're like no limitation human. So when do we use the name Adam? When you reach a level or a level that you need to reach through that you're also now moved into a level as a human, as Adam, you're also so high, which is even higher than any level of intellect. You see this, by the way, in the human being, there's a concept of infinite, not limited to anything. For example, one of the qualities that you have in the human over animals, you know, there's the four species, right? So you have the, the human, you have the animal world, the life of animals, birds and all that. Then you have the world of vegetational stuff, things that grow. 
then you have the the domim, the mute, that just doesn't move, rocks, sand, so on. So what's the addition of the human being over animals is that we have the capacity of speech. But speech is in a concept of non-limitation. It's higher than intellect. I mean, you could explain this in a few ways, but one of the ways you could explain this, that that speech doesn't have any limitations because you see that a person could speak and speak and speak and speak. You don't run out of words. Words, you could just use billions of words. So there's no limitation to that. That's one thing you see there's no limitation. Another thing you see there's no limitation that it doesn't take time for your brain to think of how to put together the letters to say the words. It's just like an automatic flow because speech is not connected to finite. So again, Adam, when you say the word Adam, higher than Ish, it's because that means you reach to such a deep place where you moved into a place of infinite. And since both of these these ideas, whether it's Adam that you're a very high level of intellect, or whether it's a level of Adam that's even higher than any level of intellect. In serving Hashem, what does this mean? That even when you're at a level where you're in a perfect, beautiful, completed level of intellect, even over there, you're also going to have, even though you're higher than Ish, you also have to come up to the level where your service to Hashem is in a way where there's no limitations like the idea of Mysterious nefesh. By the way, think about a second. When did the Rebbe say this talk? At this kid's bar mitzvah. Where was his father? On a sacrifice, helping Jews elsewhere in the world. That's why the Rebbe stepped in, for those that missed the beginning of the class, the Rebbe stepped in to be the father for this kid at his bar mitzvah. So talking about mysterious nefesh, self-sacrifice. It's all worth it for the self-sacrifice. And so too you have it now in the other way. Even when you have Messiris Nefesh, which you serve God higher than intellect, you should don't be satisfied with that. You also have to work on yourself that your Messiris Nefesh, your self-sacrifice, should also go in an internal way inside you to start off with your serving Hashem through trying to understand things and learn things. So you have to have both components to it. You have to try to understand things, but you don't get stuck by that. You have to work in a ways even beyond understanding things. But that comes when you have the initial right attitude. And the right attitude to start off with is I'm going to serve Hashem whether I understand it or not. And this is one of the hints that we have that by a bar mitzvah, the Rabbeim used the words Nasa Adam, to show you that even when you reach the level of ish, which is the level of intellect, a complete level of mature level of understanding, you're called an ish. That's not enough. And you could also reach the level of the people with a sword, meaning the level of self-sacrifice, higher than intellect, that's connected with the name of Adam Me'od. So with this, we can really appreciate the whole thing. So let's summarize this the Sicha. To summarize it in one minute is like this. The two children of Yaakov went out. They took the sword. But who were they? The men of the sword. The sages learned from this since they were 13 years old. And we use the word man, ish. That means that they reached a level of a complete level of intellectual capacity. That they can now have responsibilities in life 
because they now get it. They know what it means that of the responsibilities of Torah and mitzvahs. He brought down there's other opinions that say that we learned at 13 years of the age because it's a halacha from Moshe from Sinai. Moses passed down this information from us from Sinai. We don't understand the intellectual reason why it's 13, but so it is because Moshe picked that age. That teaches you that you have to have both opinions. Side the opinion that you're an ish that you're a complete level of intellect, you're a mature adult now, so now you can make the right decisions and therefore you're responsible. And you also have to have the level that's passed down higher than intellect. And so too, now we understand why the Rabbeim, why they would say a Hasidic discourse at Bar Mitzvah using the words Nase, Adam, the idea of Adam, because Adam is higher than Ish. And with this, we complete this Sicha of Yishlach, the fourth Sicha in Volume 15 of the Sichos.